You are listening to the Zen Nova Scotia podcast with talks by Cone Franz. These talks are made possible in part by generous donations from our listeners. To find out how to support and take part in our community, visit zennovascotia.com. Almost everything that Dogen wrote was aimed at monks, and he's quite explicit about that. There are a few exceptions, especially early in his career when he was teaching uh, to a lot of lay people. But as his career went on and as he moved into uh, the mountains and the monastery that he eventually built, his audience was exclusively monks. So he frames things this way. And occasionally he says something that's truly specific to monkhood. But if we're going to be uh, if we're going to have a productive relationship with Dogen, when he says monks, we have to assume he means us, whoever we are. The conduct of Zen monks has been directly and uniquely transmitted by Buddha ancestors throughout 28 generations in India, six early generations in China, without the addition of a single hair and without the destruction of a single particle. Thus, the robe was transmitted to Kaoji, and Dharma has spread in boundless worlds. Presently, the Tathagata's treasury of the true Dharma eye is flourishing in great China. So he's establishing here, he says, uh, that it was transmitted without the addition of a single hair, so nothing is added, and without the destruction of a single particle. He's saying it's, it's, it's perfectly complete, from beginning to now. This dharma is such that it cannot be attained by groping or searching about. This dharma is such that it cannot be attained by groping or searching about. He keeps going back to this point in different ways. This truth that he's talking about, this dharma, it's not something that we get through some sort of act of will. And earlier he has the list, right? It's not achieved through introspection or through analysis or through whatever it is. Search all you want. In the realm of seeing, knowledge perishes. So he's drawing a distinction here between knowing and seeing. And in his description, authentic practice is about seeing. Whatever you might know as a result of that seeing is secondary. That's an after effect. In the realm of seeing, knowledge perishes. At the moment of attaining, mind is surpassed. Once a face was lost at Mount Huangmei. Once an arm was cut off at Shaolin. By attaining the marrow and turning around mind, you acquire genuine life. I don't remember the story about someone losing their face. <laughs> but we know the story of the arm. The Huiko waiting for Bodhidharma. By f- bowing formally 
And stepping inward, you stumble into the realm of great ease. I love this line. By bowing formally and stepping inward, you stumble into the realm of great ease. There are different ways to understand this, but the most straightforward way is that simply through the practice, through the form of the practice, through what we do, we, we accidentally hit upon what he's talking about, right? Not by looking for it, not by analyzing it, not by, by projecting what it might be. It's through our clumsy work here to bow together and chant together and hit these bells together and sit together. We just do this and then, and then we say, oh, oh. However, in mind and body, there is no abiding, no attaching, no standing still, and no stagnating. Please try releasing your hold. He says this without any other explanation. Please try releasing your hold. Just do that. I'm not joking. And... Releasing your hold, observe what is body and mind? What is conduct? What is birth and death? What is Buddha Dharma? Releasing your hold, observe what are the laws of the world? He doesn't say, think about it. He doesn't say, figure it out. He says, let go and see it. Just look at it. What are the laws of the world? What in the end are mountains, rivers, earth, human beings, animals, and houses? When you observe thoroughly, it follows that the two aspects of motion and stillness do not arise at all. And this is an echo of earlier when he said, separation between the two aspects of activity and stillness simply does not arise. Though motion and stillness do not arise, things are not fixed. He's not describing a situation in which there is in which there's no dynamic, right? Which is one way we could interpret it. If he says that stillness and motion don't arise, we could imagine that there's a kind of stasis. He says, that's not it. Though motion and stillness do not arise, things are not fixed. People do not realize this. Those who lose track of it are many. Elsewhere, Dogen makes very clear, if you want enlightenment, 
look squarely at impermanence. And here he's saying this again. He's saying nothing is fixed. Nothing. And people don't see it. Or people lose track. You who study the way will come to awakening in the course of study. Even when you complete the way, and here he's really speaking to his monks, even when you complete the way, you should not stop. This is my prayer indeed. And this is also a theme with Dogen, that there's no end. Practice and realization are not practice and realization. They're one thing. This is activity and stillness. Activity, we imagine, is all the stuff that takes place in between moments of clarity. <laughs> and stillness is when everything seems to stop. Either because we stop or because we perceive that the world stops and we get it. And if you're a human being on this path, you probably really, really, really find yourself looking for those moments of stillness. That's what you want. That's the reward. But Dogen is shouting in this text over and over and over again. That's not it. Even the idea that there's a distinction between one kind of activity and another is false. The idea that realization exists as the fruit of something is false. The idea that activity is somehow lesser than insight is false. He says, when you observe closely, activity and stillness simply do not even come up. When you observe closely, that isn't the distinction that you see. When you observe closely, and when you let go, I, I love that he just says, let go. When you let go and observe closely, you can see everything, he says. You can see the laws of the world. You can see what a mountain is. You can see what a river is. You can see what a house is. You can see what birth and death is. You can see what body and mind is. Nothing is obscured. 
it comes back to this point over and over and over again, that there is no hidden reality. There is no reality behind a curtain that is more real than the one you're looking at right now. This is as real and complete as it gets. And that is always true. Sometimes that's painful. That can be a painful realization because we want always we want there to be a treat. We want a reward. We want to turn the corner and say, wow, I didn't know that was there. It is there, but it's also here. And in all the stories, from the beginning of this tradition of people waking up. There is not one of someone who woke up to something that wasn't there in the moment before waking up. Not, not one. We always tell the story from the perspective of the human being. He was sweeping, and the rock hit the bamboo, and he heard the sound, and he woke up. Right. It's a completely human-centric view. But we can tell the story a different way. We could say, the truth of reality was just there. It was there on Tuesday. <laughs> it, it was there the whole time, and this guy just kept sweeping, and he didn't notice. And he didn't notice, and he didn't notice, and he didn't notice, and nothing changed. And then, he noticed. <laughs> There's no shift in reality. There's only a shift in the mind. That's always the case. I'll stop there. For more information about Zen, our practice, and how you can support and take part in our community, please visit zennovascotia.com.